Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about this mini-series. It ends today. It's just two weeks long. Last week was lesson one. This is lesson two. It, it's on the Lord's Prayer. So we're taking the Lord's Prayer. We also call it the Our Father. And we're looking deeply into it so that the next time we pray it, it's going to have incredibly more impact because we'll be praying it more from here than up here. And as I told you last week, my mom and father were very devout Catholics, so they, they raised us to be very devout in that area. And one of the things my mom did is she made us go to confession once a month. And if you didn't grow up Catholic, if you walk in any Catholic church, in ours, we face the altar. On the right were the confessional booths. And uh, there's a door where the priest goes in. You never know who's in there because they're in there before you get there. And then you walk in your door and you kneel down and they have a, a hole that has a screen on it, like a screen door, and then they have a piece of cloth on their side. And you kneel down and you kind of sometimes can see the shadow, but as soon as they speak, you know which priest it is. And you say, Father, forgive me for my sins. My last confession was... And for me, it was always a month ago, right? And then you just let them know what your sins were. I used all the standard ones. If I did something really bad, especially as I became older, I didn't tell him because I felt he'd tell my mom. So um, I would just say, you know, I, I, I lied, I cheated, I disobeyed my parents, I stole quarters off my dad's dresser to use for lunch, you know, thing, things like that. But then they would give you penance. And there was one priest that gave the longest penance and I always prayed that I wouldn't have him. And uh, the penance were usually prayers. You had to pray these prayers. And so one, I remember one, one day, uh, he, he gave me uh, 20 Our Fathers. He said, I want you to pray 20 Our Fathers. So I come out. My mom says, what's your penance? I said, oh, I'll do it at home. She goes, what's your penance? And then you don't want to lie just after you come out of confession. So I said, 20 Our Fathers. I said, I'll do it at home. She said, no, kneel down and do it right here. She's like a Shiite or... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you call her, Catholic, you know. She's like really, really into it. Uh, and so um, I remember that day kneeling down, and I prayed those Our Fathers as fast as I could. It was like, Our Father, right in heaven, hallowed be the name of the kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, and then I'd, I'd pray it again, and I'd pray it again. And I'm whispering, and I'm praying it so fast. And the reason I share it with you is this. Do you think those prayers had any impact that I was praying? The answer would be no. And I think we can do that with the Lord's Prayer. I think we can do that with a lot of prayers where we're praying them from up here. And in this case, I'm praying them really fast. And I'm not really praying them from the heart. So my, my goal is that we pray this prayer differently than we've ever prayed it from this point on. And some of you, maybe you never even knew much about it. So you're going to, going to begin to pray it. It's one of the most beautiful prayers uh, God could ever give us. It's the only prayer that Jesus gave us. He gave us no other prayer. And that's why I came up with this big idea for the series, and it goes like this. If Jesus gave us a prayer, it's a prayer worth praying. He asked us to pray about things and for things, but this is the only prayer he gave us. And prayer is something not only we want to be taught, it's something that needs to be caught 
And so I'm, I'm praying and I'm asking God, let the spirit of prayer come on all of us. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, I'm just a lay person and, you know, I'm raising all my kids or, uh, you know, I'm retired or I'm a professional. How can you expect me to pray? Well, you don't have to pray as long as I do, but you can still pray. Um, and, and this is a beautiful prayer. Jesus made it easy. Most of us have memorized it, you know, since we were young. And if you can begin to pray it and maybe stop in some locations and take some time and pray those locations a little deeper, that's what I'm trying to do as I teach you this. It will radically change your life and the life of your friends. So we did this last week. Let's do it again. I'm going to read it. And can you read it out loud so you can hear it and your neighbor can hear you? Let's read it together. And it goes like this, Matthew 6, 9. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And let's pray the doxology. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that last part is not in the Bible. In the 17th century, Queen Elizabeth added that part. And it's okay to pray, so I'm not going to teach on it, but it's beautiful, and it's good to end it that way. Catholics never had that, so I didn't learn that as a Catholic, but Protestants seem to, to use that particular part. So uh, last week was the first half, this week is the second half, and I'm really excited about this. So let's look at the first thing we're going to um, talk about, and that is give us today our daily bread. This is really a wonderful part in my morning. Remember, I wake up, the first thing I do, I go to my prayer chair, and then I pray, and, and this is in my living room, I'm looking out the window, and I pray the Our Father first before I do anything else. And when I come to this part, and I say, give me this day my daily bread, I like to stop. And I like to take my time. Now, you can pray this all the way through. And the next time you pray it all the way through, you're going to understand what you mean when you say, give me my daily bread, because it's twofold. It's spiritual bread. It's natural bread. And it's not referring to bread. I mean, I know we all like bread, right? But bread in this context is referring to your needs, spiritual and natural. And so when we say, give me today my daily bread, we're asking God to meet every need in our life. And then I like to pray it for every one of you and ask God to meet your needs in your life. So when I say, give me today my daily bread, here's what I'm remembering. Jesus said, consider the birds of the air. They neither sow nor do they reap, but God meets every need in their life. And if he meets every need for the birds of the air, will he not also meet your needs? He said, consider the flowers of the field. They're so incredibly beautiful. And he said, Solomon, the richest man that ever lived on planet Earth, none of his clothes were as beautiful as the flowers. And he said, if I clothe the flowers, won't I clothe you? And let me give you one more promise. Philippians 4.19 reads this way. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. That means his resources which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So if you accepted Jesus, you're in Christ Jesus. So notice they've been given to you. And God says, I'll supply all your needs from my resources. So sometimes our resources run short, but God says, I have resources, right? 
The only time God won't meet our needs is if we're lazy. And I know no one listening to me is lazy, right? And so, uh, you know, he says, if you don't work, you don't eat. But some of you can't work, maybe for physical reasons. Maybe you're retired already. Uh, maybe you lost a job. So yeah, God will meet all your needs in those cases. But if you just don't want to work, this isn't going to work for you, right? So we don't want to be lazy. But let's say we're doing everything we know to do. Some of you, you know, you, you have more needs than you have funds. And so when I wake up in the morning and I come to this part, first thing I do is I say, Father, meet every need in Gina and I's life. And there's usually some screaming needs, so you pray for those needs, something you need to do, something that needs to be taken care of, something unexpected that came up. And you just say, Father, I ask you to meet this particular need, and I pray for that need. Then I pray for the corporate church, and I say, Father, meet every need for believers' church. If you own a business, that's when you would pray, Father, meet every need in my business. And so I know all the needs here at Believers, so I'll pray for the general fund and meeting those needs. But then I know Borman's going to do an expansion program, so I'll pray for that and ask God to meet all their needs there. And I know we're doing the chapel renovation, so I'll pray and ask God to meet all of our needs there. And I'll just pray for him to stir us and stir the ones that need to give to give to that. But then I pray for you. And I say, Father, everybody that calls believers their home church, I ask you to meet every need in their life. And it just takes a little bit of time, but it's that beautiful time where I'm covering all the bases for me, for the church, and for each and every one of you. So think about you praying that. Think about what the needs are in your life. And Jesus taught you to pray. He gave you a section of this prayer where you can go to God. He says, you have not because you ask not. So think about that. Or if you pray it straight through, God knows what you need, and he's going to throw those things into your life too. But then there's spiritual bread. And spiritual bread is when God takes the word of God, the Bible, which is bread, and he opens up your eyes, and you can understand it. I think all of us have watched people do some great damage knowing the Bible up here. They put people in bondage. They brought destruction just with scripture, right? And what we want is we want God to open up our eyes and give us revelation and help us put all the puzzles together so that uh, we don't get off track. And that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. And there's a prayer I pray at this time when I pray for daily bread. You know, I'll ask God to, to open up the Bible to me, help me understand it. But I pray this prayer too. It's Ephesians 1 and particularly verse 17. And it goes like this. The apostle Paul is praying for Christians and he says, Father, open up the eyes of our understanding, that's your spiritual eyes, so that we might know. And he gives a list of three things, but it's an incomplete list. So I pray it this way. I say, Father, open up the eyes of my understanding so that I might know and understand every revelation in the Bible. And I believe that's one of the reasons when I read scriptures, I can see things in there. I know I have a teaching gift, but I've watched people that don't have teaching gifts, God just opens their eyes up because they're crying out and asking for it. So I'll pray, Lord, open up my eyes. And, and then I'll pray for everybody that calls believers their home church. And I say, Lord, everybody at believers, everyone, open up the eyes of their understanding so that they might comprehend, they might know. That means to know intimately what is in the Bible and understand the scriptures. And that changes your life. And I'll show you a couple of verses under some of these other areas where 
it was God opening my eyes that really helped me understand and walk in these verses. And he's going to do that to you. So if you have been coming to believers, I have people tell me in the lobby, man, ever since I've come here, I've grown so much. I really believe it's because I'm praying this prayer. We might arrive in heaven, you might find out I was the worst teacher in the world. But every time I read a scripture, the Holy Spirit opened your eyes up to it because we're praying for him to open our eyes up to it, right? And so he's telling you things while I'm teaching. So I pray for you, I pray for me, and you can pray this way for yourself. It will revolutionize your life. But then I also pray this under this heading. Lord, give me bread for today, spiritual bread. Give me a word that will help me face what I'm facing. Give me a word that will set me free. Give me a word that I can speak over other people. And I just ask him, give me bread for the moment. And this is in the Bible, guys. So let me show you a cool verse, John 14, 25. These things have I spoken to you, Jesus, while remaining with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, if you're a Christian, he's inside you. He will teach you all things. Now, does that mean... You sit here and he's going to be our guest speaker next week and teach us? No. Have you ever heard him teach you anything with these ears? No. How does he teach? He opens up the eyes of your understanding. He takes what you read. He takes what you hear taught. And he's the one that causes it to come alive. So we don't want to just have intellectual knowledge. I've met so many people that haven't met Jesus yet. And they know a lot of scriptures, but uh, they don't understand them correctly, right? And this is where the teacher teaches us. And then listen to this last part and remind you of all that I have said. That's the bread for the moment. And whatever you heard Jesus say, whatever you read in the Bible, whatever you heard taught, and you guys have heard a lot, right? Whatever you've heard, the Holy Spirit can bubble it up. He can remind you of it. And it's so beautiful when that happens. So when I say, give me some spiritual bread, God, as I go through my day, it's amazing how different scriptures pop up. And the Bible just comes alive for us. So that's our spiritual bread. And the next time you just pray it straight through, Give me today my daily bread. You're going to have more of it coming out of here because you understand that's natural bread. That's spiritual bread. Lord, lay it on me. I need to understand and I need to know. And then I love this next one. It goes on, and this is the next part, guys. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Have you ever had a clogged pipe at home? And, you know, there are times when I, we've had clogged pipes and, and, and I get out the Drano and that doesn't work. And then I have a little snake, and that doesn't work. So then I have to call the big guns in and have the plumber come. And then they have those really, I love those big snakes, and, and they just go, and they clean that pipe out, and then it just begins to flow. Your spiritual pipes can be clogged. And the way we unclog our pipes is by asking God to forgive us or cleansing our hearts and then forgiving other people. And this is one of my most precious times uh, as I pray the Our Father, just first of all, making sure there's no sin in my life. And, you know, I'll pray this in the afternoon straight through. I'll pray it at night. So you're kind of pretty clean, but sometimes, you know, we all sin, right? And I'm going to show you a scripture about that in a moment. And we're all struggling with different things, right? We all have different things that push our buttons. So I'm not dealing with the big sins that, you know, I've matured in God. Some of you may be, and this is a good time to just say, hey, forgive me, God, for, for this sin or for that sin. Um, but for me, I can have attitude sins. I, I, can, I can say things to Gina, you know. I can have attitudes. I can go in my bedroom and mumble, you know, after her and I talk, like, rah, 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 rah. she doesn't hear me. I'm glad she's not in the room right now. She... <laughs> 
But you know what I mean, just an attitude, right? And, and, and we, we, we have this time in the moment, in the morning there, I just clean it all up. And there's nothing that feels better, nothing feels better to, than to know there's no barrier between God and I. God's not gonna put a barrier up, it's a barrier that we put up by not cleansing our conscience. And here's the most beautiful verse of scripture. Take a look at this, guys. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, I memorized this as a young Christian. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us of our sins. And here's the part I really want you to see. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is cleansing your conscience. This is cleaning the pipes, right? And I know that Jesus died for my past, present, and future sins. I know that. I know that I'm holy and blameless before God. I I got that. But let me ask you a question. If I wrong Gina and I do something wrong to her and I never go to her and repent and deal with it, how's our relationship going to be? How it's, there's going to be a wall up. She's going to put walls up. I'm going to put walls up because we're not dealing with that, right? And that happens with God. Again, God's not putting the wall up, but we we put a wall up when we push ourselves away from God. So I love in the morning making sure my heart is clean. Anything that I've done, I want to cleanse this conscience. I call it doing a 180, right? Because if, if I don't say, God, I was wrong, and I'm going to go the, the other direction, I'll just keep doing it, right? And so it's just that time to cleanse. And I can tell you there are some areas that I deal with that I'm repenting every morning for them, and I'm just going to keep repenting until I overcome them. I don't know about you, but I'm just going to keep repenting and saying, God, I just, I, I'm sorry I had that attitude. I'm sorry I said that. And just ask God to do what only God can do. But then... This moment comes up. This is an awesome moment where I forgive people that have wronged me. And I want to make a statement. I'm not making it up. I'm not saying it just to have a, something to say in a message. There is not a person on planet Earth that I have any ought with. That's King James. That means there's not a person on the planet that I, I have to forgive because I've forgiven everybody that's ever wronged me. And I don't have one person to forgive. Now, Someone might do something today that I have to forgive, right? Someone will do something next week that I have to forgive, right? But I'm just telling you, I am clean. This morning when I prayed this, I didn't have to forgive anyone. I'm clean. And there's no feeling in all the world like not having any ought with anybody and having forgiven everyone. And I want to make sure you know what that looks like because this is really important to know what it looks like. Because forgiveness is just releasing them and saying, God, I'm not going to hold them accountable. You don't do that for them. You do that for you. Because if you don't release them, it's going to eat you up. And sometimes we have a very difficult time releasing people because we feel justice is not going to be done. No, 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 no. God takes care of justice. The law takes care of justice, right? So if they break a law down here, justice will, will be done, right? If, if they don't change, if they keep doing what they've done to you, they will answer to God. Forgiving them is just saying, Lord, I release that. I am not equipped to carry that. That will destroy me. And so I have no ought against everyone. And this really helps you when you understand it. I, I coined this, these two words I've never heard anyone else say it, but uh, it goes like this. There is closed and open forgiveness. And the day I saw this, it changed everything. I realized 
I can forgive everyone, but sometimes it's closed forgiveness, sometimes it's open. Closed forgiveness means you have closure. It means you went to them and they said, you're right, I'm sorry, and yeah, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're, everything's good, right? There's closure. And sometimes someone wrongs you in a really high way and you have closure, but you have to build some trust, right, when someone really does something bad. But at least there's closure and you're beginning to work towards that. Open forgiveness is when there's no closure. Maybe they won't even talk to you about it, right? Maybe they say, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to talk about it. Maybe you can't talk to them for one reason or another. That's open forgiveness. But you can still forgive them, right? I have a lot of people that I have open forgiveness with. In other words, they don't want to deal with it. So I said, all right, you don't want to deal with it. When you're ready, come see me. I'm ready anytime. But Father, I release them. I forgive them for that sin, because I'm not allowing them and what they did to me to ruin my life. I'm not allowing them to give me a burden and make me oppressed and make me depressed and ruin my life. I'm gonna just release them. But now, when you have open forgiveness, you also might need boundaries. So that means you can't be close with some people because you haven't dealt with it. And that's okay, right? But there's not one person, listen, if I was in a grocery store shopping, there's not one person that I could see that I'd hide and go to the other aisle. Not one person. Not one. Now, it might be someone that talks too much. That's another reason, right? But no, you know, I know some of you might do that too. It's like, ah, I don't have that much time for a conversation. But, but I'm talking about, there's not one person I will ever run from because I've forgiven everybody. And if they don't want to deal with it, that's between them and God. But I'm a free man, and I love being free. And God wants you to be free. So I love this moment in time where I just say, forgive me of all my sins. And then I say, Father, I release everyone, but a lot of mornings I don't have anyone to release, but there'll be someone through the week that just makes me upset, and it might be one of those things where you don't even talk to them. It's like, it's no, they'll, they'll grow, but Lord, I release them. I release them, and then sometimes it's the big ones, but I release them. Am I making some sense? Are you guys picking this up? You and I aren't equipped to carry this. It will destroy you more than anything else. It will, it will make you sick. It will ruin your life if you carry burdens like this. We're not equipped to carry them. So that's, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. A lot of you are going to have fun tomorrow when you get up, right? All right, all right. Here's the next one. This one I really love. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And delivering us from evil is really cool. And I'll show you what I do for that. And and. And the first part I think we need to take a moment or two on, do not lead us into temptation or test. So we're asking God not to test us. So what does that mean, right? It's really important to understand that God will never test you with sin. He will never test you with evil. So we're not talking about that. But I want to make sure we understand that because we have to understand what the Bible says so uh, our thinking's not wrong because if our thinking's wrong, we're going we're, we're gonna to carry burdens again that we don't need to carry. We're going to look at God in the wrong way. And so you might say, well, gee, our, our God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He did. That's because Jesus was the second Adam. And Jesus had to pass the test that Adam failed. And Jesus passed the test for you. He's already passed that test. So God will never lead you into evil temptation, temptation to sin. He, he doesn't bring evil into your life, man. Evil comes into your life because you live on a broken planet with broken people and we have an enemy. And those things are coming at all of our lives. So it's not God and it's important that we understand that. And take a look at a great verse of scripture. You ready? James 1.13. 
No one is to say when he is tempted or tested, I'm being tempted or tested by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone with evil. He is not the tempter when it comes to evil. So the devil will do it anyway. You can be guaranteed it's coming at your life. The broken earth will do it. Broken people will do it. But here's what's so cool about God. He's just the opposite. And this is one of those verses, I remember when God opened my understanding up to it, it changed everything. And it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Listen to this. No temptation, no test has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, all of us are having the same garbage come at our life. It's hitting every one of us. It's common to all of us. Some tests are worse. Some people have some terrible tests, but somebody else on the planet had the same kind of test or worse, right? But we're all going to be tested. It's common, but it goes on to say, and God is faithful. Listen to what God does. He's not the one bringing the test. And God is faithful. He will not let you or allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. So God stops the enemy sometimes and says, no, you're not going to do that. And then I like this part. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So listen to what the faithful God does. He's the one that never will allow you to be tempted above what you're able. And this is what changed my life. One day years ago, I saw this, and I came to a place when I saw it, I realized... I cannot blame God. I cannot blame other people. I cannot blame you. Uh, I, I can't blame anyone. There's no test that hits my life that I'm not strong enough to resist. There's no test that hits my life that I can't make it through that valley. I cannot make it through that storm. And that's what God's saying. If you're going through something, you are strong enough to handle it. And that changes our attitude. That takes the victim mentality off our shoulders. It's like, all right, if this is happening in my life, I can't blame the devil. The devil may me do it, right? I can't blame Trumbull County, Mahoning County. I can't blame you. I can't blame anyone. I can't say, oh, I'm not strong enough to handle this. No, I can say, you know what? I can handle this. I can overcome this. And so all of a sudden, you and I realize anything we're falling into, we're strong enough to overcome it. So that makes us say, I'm going to fight this booger because I'm strong enough to overcome this particular thing. And then listen to what God does. And not only that, God makes a way of escape. So God's the escape maker. He's not the one bringing it into your life. He's the one opening a door so you can escape. I'm excited that every time I have a problem in my life, I'm like, God, thank you. I'm strong enough to handle this. And where's the door? I need to get, I need to escape. Where's the escape? And you start looking for escape. Can we give it up for God that he's the one that opens the door of escape? That's amazing. That's amazing. So you might ask, how does God tempt us? Here it is, Proverbs 17, 3. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests hearts. How does he test our hearts, guys? He will ask us to do something and see if we'll do it. And when we say, lead us not into temptation, we're saying, I don't want any big tests because some tests are little, some are big. And this reminds me of Abraham. And this story about Abraham can be morbid unless you understand it. So give me a chance to explain it to you, right? God comes to Abraham. Him and his wife are old. They're past childbearing ages. But when they were young, they, they couldn't have kids. Something was not right there. And so, and no fertility doctors existed back then, right? So God appears to him when he's older, and he says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he says, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham's like, God, I'm too old. He says, I'm going to do a miracle. And so God did a miracle, and he has his son, Isaac, and Isaac is born. But when Isaac comes to age, God says to Abraham, 
I want you to sacrifice. And that's the part that can be very morbid. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. But here's what you want to understand. I'm going to help you see this. When, when God asked Abraham to do something, he literally appeared to him. Jesus is the one that appeared to him. And so it's not like you and I saying, I think I hear God saying something. I'm not sure if it's God. I'm not sure if it's not. No, he literally appeared to him face to face, and then he poof, he'd go up, and he'd come back. And he knew it was God, and he's having conversations face to face with God the Son, Jesus. But then the book of Hebrews chapter 11 says this. It says that Abraham was convinced that if God wanted him to offer his son, he would raise him up from the dead. So he's, God will never ask us to do anything, please understand. But Abraham's like, well, you'll raise him from the dead. I mean, I'm talking with God. I, I've seen you do all these miracles, all these great things. But here's what God was doing, and here's what you want to see with the story. God asked him to give back what he blessed him with. Remember how God gave him a lamb, and that lamb's a type of Jesus, and he sacrificed the lamb, not, a, not Isaac. So he was testing him to see if he would obey. That's all he was doing. And he will test you by asking you to give him what he's blessed you with. And he might ask you to give bigger than you've ever given financially. He might ask you to do something that you've never done, to step out on water. And that's how God will test us. And that's when he brings greater blessing. That's when he brings promotion. And when you say, lead me not into temptation, what I'm saying, here's how I do it. God, I don't need any big test. I've had plenty. Lay off on those. I'm going to serve you, but I don't need any big test, right? So that's what that means. Lead me not into these big tests, Lord God. Because there are some tests when God gives them to me. I'm like, are you sure? I don't want to write that check. Are you sure? Lord, I'm too busy. I don't have time for that. And, and then he's testing me to see if I'll obey him. And then more blessing comes. So the point of this is, hey, just don't lead me into temptation. You can pray that, right? And then the next part is what I love. But deliver me, deliver us from evil. And I want you to stop right now and think of every problem in your life right now. This is the moment where I say, Lord, I need delivered from such and such. Lord, I need you to set me free. It can be a physical problem. It, it can be emotional. It, it can be a bondage, uh, chains that have wrapped themselves around me. And I'm just saying, God, it's been a while. I need set free from this. And I just cry out. I'll keep crying out till I'm free in every area of my life. And this is when I just say, deliver me from evil, Lord God. And then I do this because I'm your pastor and I pray for you and I say, Father, I pray for everyone that calls believers their home church and I ask you to deliver them from every evil that's in their life, addiction, whatever it is, sin, deliver them, Lord God. And I'm praying that way for you all the time. But I want you to think about praying this way now. And you're saying, Father, deliver me from evil. And then think about your kids, your parents, your loved ones, whoever they are that are struggling. Maybe, they, maybe they're struggling so bad you see them uh, just struggling in their life. And this is a moment where you say, Father, deliver them from that evil. Set them free. And it's a beautiful part in my day when I pray this part too. So I trust I taught you something today. I trust we're, we're catching the spirit of prayer. Next time you pray it straight through, I want it to have incredible impact on you like it does on me. And I'd love to see some of you begin to take some time and just pray some of these points and watch God do what only God can do in every single one of your lives. Can I ask you a question? Boardman, all the guys at TCI online in the chat rooms, give it up, man. And here, can we thank God that Jesus gave us this prayer and we have the privilege of praying it? You are so cool, God. You're so cool. Let's pray the Our Father together. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, let's pray. Father, I did my best to teach this incredible part of the Bible. And I thank you for an incredibly hungry group of people. They were so fun to teach today, Lord. And all of us ask you, open up our eyes, help us understand. Put that spirit of prayer on us. Help us pray and go up a level, a notch in our prayer, Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I believe the Holy Spirit will be speaking to some hearts. And while that's happening, I want to speak to anyone that's visiting, or maybe you've been here a couple times, and you're not sure of your salvation. You're not sure if you die, if you go to heaven. Maybe you walked in not being sure if heaven existed or God existed. I want to speak to you right now. I'm not asking you to join our church or religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church, if you're a member of a church. Here's what I'm asking. What have you done with Jesus? Because the Bible says, Catholic and Protestant, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only one that can give you eternal life. And he died for your sins. And he said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them and give them eternal life. And I can't make you do that, but there comes a time in all of our lives, and this is what I pray. I was 19 when it happened, and there was a whole church praying for me for a year before I accepted Jesus. I needed a lot of prayer. But, but um, there was a time when I, my eyes were just open, and I said, I see you, Jesus, and I want to receive you. And if you're listening, you say, that's my time right now. Would you pray with us, Borman, TCI, uh, online and in Warren? If you pray this prayer from your heart, man, God will save your soul, wash your sins away. Can the rest of us help them pray? Say this after me. Say, uh, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a savior. I repent of all my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. God raised you up out of that grave and you're the Savior. This day, I accept you as my Savior and make a decision to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers the Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.